In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Several years ago, I was in my office at St. Thomas Episcopal Church in Huntsville, and the church administrator called and said that a family had dropped off some books in the library um, and invited me to go look. Evidently, when priests die, their families don't know what to do with the hundreds and hundreds of books they amass. So their dear families say, well, we'll just drop them at the church. It's like this enduring gift, and it's a gift to the family just to get them out of the house. Um, and so as I'm digging through this box of books, I find this small book that's very thin, and on the front it says Prayers of the Middle Ages, and at the very bottom of this leather cover it says Light from a Thousand Years. So I thumbed through this tiny book with crackling worn pages that just smelled old. Can you imagine what that smells like? And I found this prayer for heavenly mindedness written by Anselm. The prayer goes like this, O merciful God, fill our hearts, we pray thee, with the graces of thy Holy Spirit, with love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Teach us to love those who hate us, to pray for those who despitefully use us, that we may be the children of thee, our Father, who makest thy sun to shine on the evil and on the good, and sendest rain on the just and on the unjust. In adversity, grant us grace to be patient. In prosperity, keep us humble. May we guard the door of our lips. May we lightly esteem the pleasures of this world and thirst after heavenly things. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. So I saw this prayer and I loved it immediately. I went and made a copy of it and I keep it in the front of my Book of Common Prayer, taped in. Anselm was born in Italy in the year 1033. He became a monk in a Benedictine order and he was also quite the scholar. And his service to God took him from serving in a monastery to moving ultimately to England and becoming the Archbishop of Canterbury, where he served for 16 years until his death in the year 1109. So I mean, truly, this man lived a very, very, very long time ago. However, we still read his, his works and words. The church is still formed by, by his thoughts. He was a rational and systematic thinker and an accomplished writer. He articulated the first argument for the existence of, of God as in an ontological way. He said, God is that than which nothing greater can be conceived. God is that than which 
nothing greater can be conceived. God is bigger and beyond anything you or I can imagine. Here's another gem of St. Anselm. I do not seek to understand that I may believe, but I believe in order that I may understand. For this too, I believe that unless I first believe, I shall not understand. I know it's a little deep and it sounds a bit archaic in its translation. However, Anselm believed that reason supports faith and faith seeks understanding. In so much of my life, I find myself seeking understanding. And Anselm's words help remind me that this is a process grounded first in faith. Now, <clears throat> to be quite honest, as I have poured over the gospel appointed for today, I find myself seeking understanding and I find myself a bit lost. So Jesus has given this message to his friends as it's passed down to our ears from Luke and it, it doesn't land really well for me. So I consulted some learned resources to see what do other people hear in these words. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm not understanding. Well. Other resources have reflected on this passage and also are left wondering, what really is going on here? What is the takeaway for us today? Because if you look at the gospel and you read these words, make friends for yourself by means of dishonest wealth. Like that's something that we don't usually say. Well, Jesus said to do it like this. Jesus told me to make friends by the means of dishonest wealth. Well, I'm wondering, was Jesus really condoning this dishonest behavior? Was he encouraging his disciples to engage in these ways? Well, my gut says no, but I still don't fully understand Jesus's point in this story. Here's what I do know. When I look in the Bible, what comes just before this is the prodigal son. The prodigal son and two other parables are spoken to the Pharisees and the scribes who were grumbling because Jesus was eating with the tax collectors and the less desirable people. So he goes from the prodigal son story to telling his disciples this tale advising them maybe to be wise and shrewd in their dealings because they cannot escape the Pharisees and scribes who are in their midst. I do hear words of wisdom from Jesus today, some advice. What we do today, maybe Jesus is calling us to do it with the eternal homes in mind. Maybe Jesus is telling us to play the proverbial long game, not just of this life, but of the life to come. 
Jesus is reminding us not to let those earthly things bog us down. And we hear that in the collect that John read at the beginning of our service. Grant us, Lord, not to be anxious about earthly things, but to love things heavenly. I think that's why St. Anselm was on my mind, because that prayer for heavenly-mindedness rings in these words. I feel like when we're in a heavenly mindset, we see and know and are attuned to the sacred in our midst. So those who tend the sacred spaces in our midst, those who come behind this rail, in addition to your Eucharistic ministers and acolytes and priests, are the altar guild and the flower guild. Yesterday in this space, we had 19 people for the altar guild for training, and we had flower guild in the hallway preparing to make this sacred space beautiful. In this altar guild training, there were new and existing altar guild members. There were some who came and had not served in a long time. People made space in their Saturday morning to learn about tending this sacred and holy space, about turning their minds away from the earthly concerns of perfection and being present in the holy of holies while their hands are cleaning dishes and cups for the altar they're called into this holy and thin space we welcomed honey trowbridge who was the altar guild leader here for a long time And she told us stories of why Altar Guild is meaningful to her, that there was the doing, but what she learned was by being present. Her faith was deepened, and she felt the presence of God here. And that's more than a checklist can tell you of the things to do and how to pray. It's the presence that we offer in meeting God in that space. You see, You may not even know what the altar guild does because they are, in a way, almost invisible in this space. They're like a good stage crew at the Red Mountain Theater. They make everything look magnificent, but you don't see them at work. And when they're gone, you know that they are missing. Because the scenes would not be set without their service. And it's not just dishwashing duty. It's not just making friends. It's serving Jesus at the table, the table. And to be in company with Jesus at the table, whether setting it or receiving the bread and the wine that has been lovingly prepared and blessed as a meal for each of us. It can take us to that space of being heavenly-minded. And so today, let us remember Anselm's influence so that we may hold on to our faith as we seek understanding in this life, whether it's scripture or things that happen to us 
as individuals, as a community, we keep seeking understanding grounded in our faith in God. May we keep our eyes open to the things of the world and our minds set upon those things that will endure, like the love of God through the saving grace of Jesus. Jesus who fed and healed and loved and taught and died and then rose from the dead changing our lives forever. St. Anselm wrote that we do not have to understand all of it to believe. We simply get to hold tight to our faith as we seek to understand. Amen.